Episode 3 Chris strode straight from one flat into the other without knocking, like all six of them did. It was as though they lived in one flat, which is actually how they did consider their living arrangements, except for Alfred, whose mind was too precise for such an inaccuracy. Chris found Alfred and Dorian in the living room, the former on his laptop and the latter on his phone. Hi Alfred, hi Dorian, still up for the TV episode marathon? Oh yes, Dorian said. Definitely, Alfred said. Great, write down what you want to eat and I'll order it now. Unless you and Martin are cooking, Alfred. No, not tonight. Not enough time. Besides, our food delivery arrives tomorrow morning and we're out of spices. Sorry, Chris. You know I buy the basics at your place, but you just don't have the variety or the special products that we need. Or some of the brands that we like either. Chris nodded ruefully. I get it. You still do a lot more for my little shop than most, he said with a pointed look at Dorian. Hey, don't look at me, man. It's not that I don't shop at your place. It's just that I don't shop full stop. Well, beyond alcohol and snacks. What's the need when you can order online any time? Fascinating, Alfred said. You eat complete rubbish and are absolutely destroying your body, but are so full of energy and spirits. You are a walking contradiction, Dorian. Nah, it makes perfect sense, my man. You just don't want to hear it. I just listen to the universe and stay as attuned to the divine in me as I can. That does far more for my well-being than caring for this shell ever can. He prodded at his body as at an inanimate object. I can teach you if you like. Actually, I've been spending time with a druid recently. He has so much wisdom. We could meet him together if you like. I'll pass, thank you, though I'm sure we could have an interesting conversation with your druid. I find the phenomenon of a contemporary post-Christian paganism fascinating. It says a lot about our society's search for meaning. Later, later, Chris said. Here's the sheet. Write down your preferences. Now, Dorian, Clive tells me that you executed the ultimate prank against Bruce pretending that his Tesla shares were about to get devalued. Oh, it was epic! Dorian's startling violet eyes lit up. We let him go to the loo and make his sandwich, and then we just got going. He was so goggle-eyed like this. Dorian elongated his face and sucked in his cheeks, giving him the aspect of a fish. He spoke in a mock Bruce voice, somehow managing to convey energy despair and an unnaturally deep voice simultaneously no not tesla but stocks have been going up and the new model this the need on that blah 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 and clive was like pompous gesticulating i guess you've just been paying too much attention to the numbers and statistics you need to listen to the mood of a company and the economy and then he started coming with his bullshit about protests from environmentalist groups forcing Elon's hand and how he was about to make a big announcement and the stocks would just crash. 
Dorian let his hand fall as though it were made of lead. It slammed into his glass on the coffee table and sent it flying. The glass shattered on the floor. Dorian froze and looked open-mouthed at Chris, making him look like a fish again. He held up both hands as though for quiet. Alfred made a sound of exasperation and opened his mouth to tell Dorian to clear up the mess, but Dorian flapped his hands frantically in a way that brooked no opposition and bent forward, listening, absorbing. Wow, he finally said in an awed whisper. I said the stocks would crash and then the glass wouldn't crash. That's the universe acting through me. And what did it say? Alfred asked icily, staring at the fragments of glass on the sodden carpet. I don't know, man. Like, emphasising what a big deal this was for Bruce, or, like, helping me tell my story or something. Don't question the universe, man. Bollocks. Alfred snorted derisively. Are you going to clean this up? Yeah, sure. Served its purpose. He bent forward to pick up the shard. You haven't finished. Dorian was a master storyteller, and Chris was not letting him go. Oh, yeah, right. So Bruce was all goggle-eyed, like this. The fish made its reappearance, and I was like, Wow, Clive, sounds like the shareholders will be dumping Tesla's stock exaggerated and pedantic concern. I don't know much about economics, but won't that make the stocks crash even further? There it is again. Crash. He looked at the fragmented glass with reverence. Alfred gave up. He stood up, took off his jacket, folded up his shirt sleeves and started picking up the wreckage himself. Anyway, Bruce was like, damn right, it'll be a chain reaction, or something. And Clive continued with his bullshit. He was so impressive, man, like inspired or something. You should have seen him go. So we were going and going and not smiling and not looking at the clock, but I could feel it like ticking and ticking like I was connected to it. I wouldn't be surprised if I was actually, me and Clive. Our minds were reaching towards it really strongly. And the alarm rang. Pause. Then he took a deep, sudden breath. And then he looked at us like this, and his alarm like this, and us and his food, and this look of despair. Dorian mimicked all this in the blink of an eye. Look of shock, realisation, despair, hunger, fish. And then he grabbed it, and Clive nudged me, and he was like, it's on. And then the race. Oh man, it was epic. He went at it like you've no idea. And we were cheering, bruise, bruise, like it was a sprinter coming round to the home stretch. Man, you should have seen it. He didn't even chew. I swear it, man. He was just tearing chunks off with his front teeth and swallowing, and looking all the time from food to phone to food to phone. Tick, tick, tick. He snapped his head back and forth, varying his expression with each turn. Determination, fish. Determination, fish. It was disgusting, but it was so exciting. He took the last mouthful with like 13 seconds left. He literally vaulted over a chair that was in the way and we were like screaming, go, go, you can do it. And he cleared the distance in like four seconds. I timed it. He slammed the door and we rushed there and we heard this chair scrape and this frantic typing sound like entering the password on his computer, I guess. And then there was this howl. 
I'm not even kidding. This howl man, like this animal roar of triumph. He did it. He had two seconds left. I was so proud of him. I mean, I wanted him to fail, to have his stupid timing system messed up just once so he can just relax and, you know, just chill the fuck out, you know? I want him to be free. But he did it. God admire his determination, man. It was like Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise disarming the bomb with a second to go. It was almost like a spiritual experience, man. That howl, so much energy. I don't think I've ever felt his spirit that strongly. Wow, Dorian, listening to you tell a story is almost a spiritual experience in itself, Chris said. That sounds so amazing. I'm so sad I missed it. Don't worry, he's got the video. Alfred gave a smile of grudging recognition. It was pretty funny. I've never seen Bruce panic and move so fast. Dorian grinned from ear to ear, his dishevelled hair hanging over his face from all the motion of his story. He held up his phone with one hand, pointed to it with the other, and mouthed, Right here! Then his face did the seemingly impossible and brightened even further. It's on YouTube. There's one with the full 20 minutes with us just talking and you can't see him until he started eating like the Olympics and I had the camera on him. And then there's a two minute version. Only been up four hours, already has... He looked. 6,000 views. 6,000. And over 100 comments. It's going viral. I'm not surprised, Alfred said. It is quite something. But it makes sense that he would make such an effort to maintain a schedule that has kept him going since his university days. Imagine the iron will needed to never break such a schedule. And imagine the psychological effect of a single slip. And then you two fools do this. Dorian grinned. No regrets. It's my new number one Bruce moment and there's plenty of competition. Like the time I got him to do my laundry for two weeks in exchange for introducing him to a client of mine he wanted to do business with. That humble look on his face every evening when he came over to ask whether I had any laundry. And you did every evening? Chris exclaimed. You don't do laundry once in two weeks which is exactly why I had plenty for him to do daily for those two weeks. And I insisted that he wash the different colours separately. I, f I figured one ought to try that at least once in one's life, even if it's through somebody else. That was a beautiful two weeks. Also a clean two weeks. Probably my cleanest ever. Also something one ought to try at least once. But this tops that hands down. How about that time you spiked his coffee and got him high during an important business meeting? Put in Chris. Ooh, yes, there's that. He giggled in remembrance. I listened to the meeting through the keyhole. Bruce has never been so wise as he was then. That's a tough call. I still think this one wins. The skill it took from me and Clive, it was a masterclass. And oh man, the suspense. And then that one minute, 47 second sandwich. And that howl. He shuddered. Ah, it still gives me goosebumps. He caught Alfred looking at him oddly. 
What man? Oh, shit. Yes. Oops. Chris, I told you. He wasn't meant to know about that. Oh, well. He gave a light shrug. I suppose we can't deceive someone forever. Bad karma and all that. Relax, though, Alfred. It was in the spring, before our little agreement. You mean the ultimatum whereby if I find drugs in either of these two flats, and that includes the systems of the people in them, and if I trace them to you, and I would, then you're out? You mean that little agreement? Wow, man, chill. you got so much negative energy. I've done no drugs since then. Well, he corrected himself. Not here, anyway. Hey, 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 hey. He forestalled Alfred's protestations quickly. You didn't say no drugs full stop, and that's not your decision anyway. True, but you've got to stop at some point. Not for my sake, for yours. You're wasting your life, though I do suppose it's due in large part to the environment you grew up in. Perhaps the drugs your mother took when she was pregnant with you. And also, to some extent, obviously the childhood trauma you haven't dealt with. Did you know that statistically, one in five... Okay, Alfred, okay. Well, man, no need to go full sociologist on me. I just find your case fascinating for all the cliches and stereotypes it confirms. You really do have some serious negative energy. Would you be willing to see a Reiki master? I can vouch for him myself. Such rubbish. Although I do suppose it would be an interesting experiment from a psychological or sociological point of view. Splendid! I'll set the session up right away before you can change your mind. Aren't you forgetting the new restrictions? Chris asked. Nah. There's plenty we can do in one hour a day. We'll make it work. Besides, the police don't start a timer every time you step out the door. I'll call the Reiki master right now. Alfred going to Reiki. Who would have thought the day would come? I wouldn't do it if I were you. They all turned towards the new voice. Thank you for listening to my tale. Please like, subscribe and share to stay updated on the next instalments and so I can reach more people. If you don't want to wait or you prefer to read, you can find Sandcastle at High Tide on Amazon. The link is in the description.